Morrison, welcome to Musicians Having Coffee and Talking About Stuff. And today my guest is the amazing, wonderful Mr. John Anderson. And I'm so thrilled to see you and yeah. uh, to talk with you today. Yeah, it's, it's great, to, great to see you again. It's been too long. Still alive. Yes. You look great, man. Yeah, I feel good, you know, just in my studio every day. Yes. Uh, for the last year, every day. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to show this cup that a, a wonderful friend and fan made, uh, John Fiala, I believe I'm saying oh, that. Yeah, yeah, look beautiful. at that. I have my own special podcast you got, cup. You got a thing happening. Well done. Yeah. So yeah. how's it going out there in California? How's it going? Well, I'm, I'm very happy here with my wife, Jane. We, we live up in the hills away from the noisy village which is about uh, two miles away. And, but we're up in the hills. We have an incredible view, Vista. Wonderful. And uh, it's summertime. <laughs> I don't know. The weather's so beautiful here. You know, it's right. amazing. A little different than England. Oh, God, yeah. But the topography, strangely enough, is the same as where I was born. And, really? Uh, yeah. When I go for a long walk up the hill, I have this incredible view, and I, it reminds me of... Uh, place called Accrington, where I was born in Lancashire. Uh, but uh, as I say to my brother, who still lives there, I say, yeah, but the weather's really good here. <laughs> right. Yeah, is, that somewhere, is that near Manchester, somewhere up there? Yeah, it's 20 miles north of Manchester, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, great. Well, it's a little different scenery once you get to the top of that mountain, I'm sure. You betcha. You know, you, you just start in awe of... Uh, this Mother Earth that we live on and uh, the home yes. that we are abusing. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you uh, care so much, uh, that you identify so much with America. I mean, how long have you been living here? It's now uh, probably since 1990. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, that's a long time. That's, that's when I, I came. I've been on tour with ABWH. Anderson, Br Bruford, Wakeman and Howe, which was a fun tour. Oh, I saw that tour. I saw it yeah. in L.A. Yeah. yeah I was, was, I was out there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. It was great. It actually was the night that I think you had a sub bass player. Yeah, because uh, the great Tony Levin got really sick halfway through the tour and Jeff Berlin came in. Jeff uh, Berlin. Yeah, he rehearsed the show in two days. I mean, he was so good, you know, so smart. Yeah. A good old friend, you know. So the the whole concept of uh, I may as well stay here in America. I've been working here through the 80s doing Big Generator that took forever. And uh, and then I actually recorded three albums, uh, one with Vangelis. Uh, most of the songs we wrote in uh, Beverly Hills were Vangelis had a studio in his house. I actually was going to go live in China. I really was. Hmm. I don't know if you know the story, but there was a, a tomb found uh, 1974 in Hubei province, central north China. Hmm. And it was full of terracotta soldiers, about a thousand of them with chariots and horses, all of terracotta, life size. Did you ever remember seeing that? Wow, no, uh-uh. Well, it's, it's in National Geographic. So it's in Hubei province, and it was uh, something that was so remarkable to see. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was about two 
two, three years later, in 1976, 77, they found another tomb not far away. I think it was only 10 miles away. They found another tomb full of instruments, musical instruments. Wow. Ranging, ranging from seven-foot brass bells to seven inches brass bells, 77 of them. And there was kotos and uh, instruments very much, oh, very much like this guy. I don't know if you can see it. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And uh, koto, percussion, flutes, wood, all sorts of things, a full orchestra. Two and a half thousand years old. That's amazing. Two and a half thousand years old. So that's why I went to China. I wanted to work with the company from Hubei province and sing with them. So, you know, things you want to do in your life, you know. Right. <laughs> you had an amazing life. That's amazing. Yeah. But I wrote some really interesting music, very special music, and I still have it. I haven't finished uh, what it means, but, you know, you like you, you know, you write music and 10 years later you say, oh, this is really good. <laughs> yeah. Or, you, or it finally finds a home, you know. And it's interesting yeah. how, how everything that you do, everything that I do, uh, good or bad, or uh, it'll, it finds its way in to my writing somehow. Because in really, really funny yeah. ways, so, in unexpected ways sometimes. Because you're surrounded by certain elements of musical energy. That's right. okay. It's another phone. But you, you're surrounded by certain elements of musical energy and it, keep, it stays with you because it's your psychic, psychic knowledge of who you are. Mm. And now and again, you play a little melody and think, what is it? What is, I played that about five years ago. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, and there it is. And yeah. what happens basically is your time of life catches up with the music that's waiting for you to rediscover it. Mm -hmm. And I know this for a fact, that there are certain musical things that I'm still doing that I actually wrote, oh gosh, 30 years ago. Uh, I released one on my Facebook just Christmas now called Everlasting Christmas. Mm. I've written three pieces of music. My first voyage into what you might call classical structure, mm -hmm. musically speaking. And I was living in the south of France and uh, I was actually writing some music about the artist Marc Chagall. Ah. And also, and also uh, a, a, a story about the fairy kingdom mm. from a book that I'd read called uh, a, true fairy, a True Fairy Story mm. by a little lady in North London. Anyway. The idea was that that music that I recorded on cassette, you know, I have maybe a hundred cassettes in my garage, honestly. And then I found one and I went, oh my gosh, I remember that music and I put it on my computer. And then I sent it to a friend of mine in uh, Holland. I'm just trying to get his name because it's, it's one of those, uh, Arjan, Arjan Kiel. Oh, yeah. He's a really great composer in, in Holland. And I sent him uh, the music and he did a beautiful orchestration. I don't, it was already orchestrated, but he really, he tweaked it and made it sound really good. Mm -hmm. So um, I re-recorded it just uh, 
because I had so much time this last year, <laughs> I re-recorded it. I asked him to send me the MIDI files so that I could actually sound all my soundboard using uh, all my sounds that I have from Omnisphere and things like that. Right. Uh, Omnisphere. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Omnisphere. You mentioned um, that. You mentioned that to me a couple of years ago yeah. when you uh, people probably don't know this, but you had asked me if I was interested in being the you the you know kind of utility man on the, your last tour with uh, with Rick and Trevor. True. And, uh, and you mentioned that word to me. I remember you were. That's yeah. where. You, that's where you were coming from, yeah. It's, it's, it's a very, very powerful instrument. There are more now coming through. Mm -hmm. But that was the first one that really inspired me to... Uh, to uh, you see, the guy who put it together, the Omnisphere guy, is an old friend from years ago. Oh, really? Years ago. Yeah, when I, when I first came to his strings, and I'm remembering now, the, when I came to live in L.A., having decided not to live in China. I came to live in LA and- uh, That's quite a switch. Yeah. I grew, up, I, I grew up in LA. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, there's so, well, you see, LA is a very powerful place, right? And most people don't know why, but it, it is a, it's an ancient place from, uh, when I lived in LA, I was, I was, I was, I'll tell you the story. So you may as well hear the story. On my way to LA to work with uh, the guys on the... Was that Big Generator? Big Generator. Yeah. Which took forever. It was just a waste of energy and money. But a good album, you know. But in I the was end. there in LA and, and uh, I'd read this story on the plane coming to LA that the hoping grandmothers of Big Mountain had decided not to move. They'd been asked to move many times by the American government because the American government wanted to strip mine that area. And it's their most sacred place. Oh, which, which area is that? It's, it's called Big Mountain. Hmm. It's, it's, it's on the vortex of the four states. I think it's Nevada, um, Arizona, California. Arizona, yeah. Okay. It's right there. Oh. Anyway, they weren't going to move these beautiful, beautiful people. Uh, and I, I read it in Time magazine. So by the time I got to, uh, to L.A., I wanted to learn more about Native American culture. I mean, living in L.A. And mm -hmm. uh, lo and behold, the more you think about something, the more somebody comes knocking at your door, you know? <laughs> right, right, and, yeah. And a friend of mine... That, that I bonded with is a guy called Gary Barlow, who's a wonderful guy, engineer, musician. And uh, he was working in a studio. And I went to talk to him about how much did he charge in the studio from 12 to six in the morning? And he said, nothing. I said, can I use it? Right. So I used to, I used to do that too. Yeah, you have to, you know. Do the 12th and six so, thing, so, yeah. Yeah, so I did that and I went, you know, Gary called me a week later and said, look, something's happening in East LA. There's a big sort of convention in this school. It's, uh, it's all to, to do with the Hopi grandmothers. Mm. And I said, 
good. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And the, the, the adventure that I went on through that experience was remarkable. I finished up doing an album called Toltec. And uh, not many people know about it. But to me, I actually played a, a track of it last week and I couldn't, in surround sound, I couldn't believe how good it sounded. It just sounds like, thank you, you know. Oh, that's great. Really triumphant, huh? Like, like I was saying, the music follows you eventually. So mm-hmm. I, I better stop talking. <laughs> well, that's what we're here to do, man. That's what we're here to do. I would imagine that the other guys in the band were not quite in this space of following the hoppy grandmothers. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd been studying, at that time I was studying meditation, so I wasn't really uh, doing anything other than trying to calm myself, calm myself down, you know. Sure, because you're, uh, you're really pumped up after the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, a lot of energy. So we're driving to Boston and uh, stop for some gas, you know. Yeah. And there's a cinema next to the gas station, and there's a sign up on the cinema saying, it says, Spinal Tap. So I said, Spinal Tap, what the hell is that? And Tim, bless him, said, oh, it's a, it's a movie about rock and roll. It's supposed to be pretty good. It's just been released last week. Oh, wow. So I said, okay, it was two o'clock. Let's go watch it. Went to, I never laughed as much in my life. And there was me and Tim and Steve and a little lady in the back of the theater. <laughs> I saw it when it came out in the theater as well. And I, I, my reaction was different. I, w- I got depressed. No. It was so much like real life. Damn right. It was but so it, much like my life. It was. I, mean, I, I can relate to so much of it. I, t- I tell my son to this day, it's like, he hasn't seen that. Like, you got to see Spinal Tap. I mean, that, they just nailed it. Yeah, but this goes to 11. Right. Oh, just the other day, I was telling my daughter, you know, about the guy in the dressing room, you yeah. know, the, I mean, the meat's circular and the bread's square. This is a disaster, you it's know. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Then <laughs> who, who's in here? No one. You know, all that stuff. Yeah, it's classic. It was so much like my world. Right. And I laughed all the way through the two-year tour. I laughed all the way through it because... It wasn't real in a sense. It was so, you treat it like royalty because you're number one and all the record companies are going, oh, oh okay, thank you. Well, I've, I've got work to do. And I was busy writing more music, in fact, on that tour. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know that you have quite a high standard. I, 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 uh, I felt that the, the uh, honestly, I was so glad uh, when we did our um uh, music together on the cruise on that uh, Prognation <laughs> cruise uh, for us that was just wonderful I, we all thought you just sounded great and I believe which it. is quite a relief you know you all thought, we've all had the experience of like you know hearing somebody that we've loved all our lives or is it, you know you go yeah. to see I am sure you've had the experience and I'm not going to use it name any names but sometimes it's been really sad in fact I yeah. dragged my I dragged my kids to one of them and like we yeah. went way out of our way to see this band that I, oh, this is going to be so great. And they were so, so bad. My kids were like, Dad, why did you bring us here? <laughs> it was the drugs. They used to be really good. Yeah. So we were, we were so uh, just, I think you still just sound so great. And, and uh, we, we loved that set that we did on the cruise. But uh, I know that you 
didn't feel quite like it was no. up, up to your standards. No, no, no. It, you guys played great. And I was exhausted because it was like we started at 11.30. Right. <laughs> yeah, we didn't finish till 2, I think. I know. Yeah. I'm doing, what am I doing? I'm doing, what was I doing? Revealing? What, what the hell yeah. was I thinking? Yeah, right. <laughs> you no, know, when you, when you sent me that email, because I, I, yeah. you know, I heard, oh, it's going to be, you know, mostly the popular songs that we're going to do, and it's going to be pretty easy. And, uh, you know, I was really familiar <laughs> with those songs. And then I got this email. I think Mike copied us all on, you know, John wants to do the revealing science of God. <laughs> I know. Oh. <laughs> you know, because I'm going through a very interesting time in my life now. The re-releasing albums that I did 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and um, I was sort of, you know, you know what it's like, you know, because you, you kind of, uh, I really explained this, you spend hours and hours making an album, and you're sick of it. You love it, but you don't want, you don't want to hear it again. No, you don't want to hear it again, totally. No, so you go out and do it live, and oh. It feels good. I just, actually, we should have recorded just like this. <laughs> oh, I couldn't agree more. Because yeah. that was the, that was the key to the yes experience. Is we did, we did two first two albums, going in the studio and building building blocks like kids, you know, building blocks. Put the drums down and bass first, and then put the guitar on and the piano, and then do vocals. Do you think it sounds good? No, you're gonna start again. No, no, no. no. When we did the, the Yes album, I said, look, we're going to go away together and live in a house in the country and learn new music. And they said, why? And I said, because going in the studio, learning music is boring as hell. And it doesn't sound great. It sounds okay. I mean, we did okay with the songs, but so we... We wrote, went to this farmhouse, which was haunted, which was fun. We had a, <laughs> we had a, what, a what do you call it, a zoobie board. Um, Ouija board. Ouija board. And uh, the little girl liked our music, <laughs> the, the little girl ghost. <laughs> and uh, we were doing case of delirium. No, sorry. I, I jumped. At least she had good taste. Uh, no, we, we were doing writing, uh, Yours is No Disgrace. Mm-hmm. And Heart of the Sunrise. I think it was that time. Yeah. No Heart of the Sunrise. But you was Heart, a nice grace for sure. Heart of the I, Sunrise would have, been, would have been the next record, yeah. With Fred Jato, yeah. yeah. So I, I actually, when I'm talking, I, I like to know what I'm talking about. But anyway, <laughs> yours, yours is Notice Grace and Starship, no, I don't know. Starship Trooper probably is on that record, yeah. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. So we rehearsed these songs and then we went on tour. So we were performing new songs to an audience that already liked Yes, because of the songs we'd already toured with the year before. They were happy to come and see us again. Oh, new songs, oh, it feels good, this is nice. So within about a month or so, we really knew the songs very well. And then we went in the studio and recorded them like a band. Right. Voila, yeah. you know, was it All Good People was on it? Yes, Your All Good movie? People, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, that's how to do it. And uh, for that time period, it was perfect to do uh, an album of songs we knew how to play. And uh, I think we learned a lot by jumping into that 
place. Yeah, that's great. A lot of people don't want to do anything, I think, these days without a click track. Do you find that? Well, uh, I'm sure I, you, guys, you guys didn't use a click track, did you? No, but I think there were times, obviously in the 80s, yeah, of course, you know, when, when uh, it, it, it was sort of foreign to me to have a click track. But then as time has gone along, I, I naturally... I spend a lot of time working with some young teenagers up in the Connecticut area oh. with uh, my friend Paul Green, who, who created the uh, School of Rock oh, cool. 25 years ago. And, and uh, he sold the rights to that. Now he has the Academy of Rock. And it's just young kids, you know, teenagers, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. Man, they're so good. So I, I enjoy working with them. And I suggest to them, always use a click track. And they say, okay. I said, you can make one by just, uh, you know, maybe a bass drum, boom, 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 all the way through. Or like a, a shaker, you know, like tick tock, tick. No, make a shaker or something like that. You can get them, you know. Yeah, something more musical. At least when you play, you'll be in time all the way through. And then you can go back and learn, add more things, and so on and so on. Yeah, it's, great, talking, for, it's great for overdubbing. Yeah, Absolutely. so I was yeah. talking to this young girl last two days ago about it, because she is quite extraordinary. The, 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 the harmonies that she creates are very advanced. And, the, and, and there's a couple of guys who do the same. Very advanced vocaling, vocalizing, if you like, you know? Wow. And I always tell them to get in touch with uh, Jacob Collier, who is a uh, phenomenon. I don't know if you know Jacob. Yes, yes. I've heard of him. Yes. Brilliant. You should, you should check him, his work, please. Yeah. Because anybody who's watching this podcast, check out Jacob Collier. He is the future of the world. As, okay. As somebody pointed out, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of times that he's performing with an orchestra and he does all the orchestration as well he's 26 writes the songs plays every instrument yeah and uh there's a little comment at the bottom was oh what a great guy this guy is you know and the best comment was welcome back mozart wow well i'll have to check that out yeah he is on such a level he, he inspired me for the last year or so uh, two years when I first heard his music and he's put out three albums in the last year and he just released sorry third, the, the third one was just uh, not long ago and uh, they're, they're quite brilliant he you know at the end of uh, advertising they always have a voice saying yeah yeah uh-huh he did a rap song just like that really on his new album. It's unbelievably good. Cause you can well, hear every word. You can hear every word, but it's so fast. Yeah, I don't know how they do that. That's amazing. No. So Jacob Collier is my, my main dude at the moment. All right. Well, I'll check that out. So hey, back to, back to those yes days. So I shared this with you, I think, before. I don't know if you recall. But so I was 12 years old when uh, my brothers, who were a little older, um, and they took me to see Black Sabbath at the LA oh, yeah. Forum. Yeah. And uh, there was this new band that I had never heard of opening up called Yes. Yeah. And, and I've, I've talked about this many times. I mean, I didn't know, I mean, who, you know, you never know. 
but I had no idea how that was going to impact my life. Um, my dad was a choir director and my uncle was in a jazz vocal group called the High Lows. Oh um, yeah, I remember them. Yeah, the High Lows. Yeah, they were, they were kind of the pioneers of jazz vocal harmony. And yeah. so I grew up in this house of, and of course, Beatles and Simon and Garfunkel and Stevie Wonder. So I grew up in a music house with classical music from my dad and, and singing madrigals when I was like four years old. And, and then all the jazz and all this stuff. So I, then I, as a kid, you know, I, I loved all that music. And then I got into the power of rock, you know, like Black Sabbath and Deep Purple. And when, yeah. I saw, when I saw you guys, <laughs> it was like it all came together. You had, you had all the elements in a, in a kind of magical way that just, just, I'll never forget when you guys played Heart of the Sunrise. That was with Bruford. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah we, knew, we knew who we were. It was, it was amazing when, yeah. you know, Wakeman sat down and played the little bit of, the, you know, the kind of classical flavored piano thing and yeah. the Mellotron and, and, and the three-part vocals. Uh, I've seen all good people. I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, you guys were my band after yeah. that. That was it. I was 12. You changed my life, John. Excellent. Excellent. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. You know, I, I had a, a, many events in, in the course of my experience with Yes. It was interesting that um, we'd been rehearsing for about three months, and we thought we were pretty good. You know, we were doing uh, – songs you would you would not believe from the fifth dimension we were doing because they were jimmy webb songs and jimmy webb was well known for uh, uh, macarthur park macarthur park yeah and uh so there were songs here inside my paper cup everything is looking up a great song from the fifth dimension album mm. and we were doing that and that and then we were doing um a, a different version of america you know, with uh, oh, I love that version. Bernstein, you know. Oh yeah, but the intro is so great. Who who came yeah. up with the? Yeah. And then we do um, the other thing that I really enjoy is we toured very early on with uh, Richie Haven, who is a oh, wow. wonderful, wonderful guy and a great songwriter. And yeah. he was very famous for his work at um, the 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 first big festival of the world was yeah, in Woodstock. Woodstock. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we did a song of his called "No Experience Necessary," and I yes, kept I thinking, know it well. I need something in there, and it was the theme from the Big Country. Da 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 da. Uh, but it worked on stage, you see, because there was there was there was something to capture the audience instead of this constant da 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 da, da you know. Oh, really? Okay. That was the idea, you know. I was always interested in jumping from one experience to another very quickly in the middle of a song. All of a sudden, you're doing that. Oh, really? Okay, let's try this. Da da da, da you know. And uh, then me and Chris went to the local uh, bar in Lo in London. It was called a Speakeasy. And we, play, we played there a couple of times when we first started. And, uh, you know, we thought we were good, you know? Yeah, we were around, I can imagine. You know? Yeah, we thought we were good. And then there was a band setting up to play that night, and it was the first show that King Crimson ever played. 
So King Crimson, who the hell is that? You know, what the heck is that? So we stood there and halfway through, I turned to Chris and said, we got to rehearse more. <laughs> <laughs> really? Wow. Because they were unbelievably good. Wow. And about four years later, we were on tour in America and uh, we were on tour with the Kinks of all things. And there was wow. a show in the uh, University of uh, New York. The Kinks, yes, and my Vishnu Orchestra. No way. I mean, yeah, so, the, so, that's incredible. The, the bills that they used to put together is I like know. And it was crazy. The, it, was the first, it was the first gig of this band called my Vishnu Orchestra. Now, Steve knew uh, John McLaughlin, had got a band going, and Bill Bruford knew about him as well. So we went to the sound check and my head went Right. Whoa! Chris, we gotta rehearse more. <laughs> <laughs> so so the year after uh, seeing you open for Sabbath, I think it was a year later that I saw you at another auditorium in LA and the bill was you were headlining. It was yes, the Edgar Winter group. And, yeah. a, and a band that just had had their first single called The Eagles. Oh, yeah. That was a fun tour, actually. <laughs> and there's, there's you remember a, all that? You remember what, what were those guys like? What was any of it like for you? Well, the, the, the Eagles were very sweet. You know, they were country guys, you know, doing sort of country fun, love music, love country song. Yeah, they, they would, Take It Easy country, had just, I think Take It Easy had just come out. Right. Country rock, if you like. Yeah. From, our, from my standpoint, but they were really nice guys. And there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of late nights, as I remember. And really? I never joined. I never joined in that much because I was, I don't know, I was studying Sibelius and painting. Sibelius, yes, I know you're a big, big fan of Sibelius, me too. I man. know, I Finla know. Finlandia. Hey. Yeah. The, the greatest piece is uh, Symphony Number no. 7. Okay. I would I would play it on on I had a boombox in my 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 suitcase and so I I get into my room plug it in and put on Sibelius you know I had all the all the symphonies you know and then one time I'm I'm listening to the seventh symphony and maybe you know, I had a couple of joints I'm just hanging out waiting to do the show or whatever and uh, I thought wait a minute. For the first time, I realized it's just one piece of music, 26 minutes long. There you go. And I never, because every, every classical album has like a first, then second, then third movement. Yeah, third or fourth movement, yeah. Yeah, or whatever, yeah. But this, this was like from beginning to end. And I, I listened to it maybe about that afternoon about six times. I just listened to it. Just trying to figure out how could he, how could he, why did he, God help us, this is extraordinary. It's, yeah. and it's the last thing he ever did. He tried the eighth, he never got through it. But the seventh was his uh, crowning glory, musically speaking, because it just, it, 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 once you've listened to it and again and again, it, it holds you like, uh, like the earth. It's just like, listening to the earth sing to you. That's what wow. I always think of, you know? And that's what sort of made me talk to Steve and said, I think we can do a long piece of music now. We've done 
Starship Trooper, we've done this, we've done that. And let's do a big piece, like a 20-minute piece, because you can only fit 20 minutes on a side of an album. You see? Right, yeah. yeah. And, and it, was, it was like, it was such a breakthrough to go through that experience. You know, you're on tour, at see Mavishnu Orchestra, seeing all these things happening and think, well, you know, we, we just had a hit with uh, Roundabout and people, record companies want us to do another round, Fragile, you know, do another Fragile. Of course. I'm saying, no, no, the opposite. Because at that time, uh, the universities had their own radio stations. So yeah. we go to the university to play and we go and visit the radio station and they'd be playing case of the... Um, there I go again. Uh, Yours and Norris Grace, which is uh, eight minutes, nine minutes long. Right. And they played all the way through. It never got played on the radio, local radio ever. Uh, roundabout, cut it in half, make it into a hit. Yeah. Which, thank you, it worked. But it just sort of made me feel like I don't want to do that again. I really don't want to go and retread that world. I want to move on and do something different. And it was yeah. Sibelius who was my my sort of, come on this way, you can do it. Wow, speaking of things, uh, your backstage antics and things, um, you, you probably don't remember this, but tra I was on a tour with a group called Transatlantic with, with Royna Stolt and Mike Portnoy and Pete Troyes. Yeah. And uh, we had a night off in Frankfurt. And yeah. this would have been about, I think 2002, I think, I don't remember exactly, but uh, you guys were playing at the Frankfurt Opera House. Oh, yeah. With the Polish orchestra. Yeah. Yeah, I've remember? Yeah. That was a great, uh, great tour. It was great. Oh, I absolutely loved it. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, Chris was on fire. But I've just been watching, uh, for the first time, the actual video of that show. It's called Symphonic Live Yes, or something like that, from that tour. And it is... It's so good. Yeah, it is great. I love the way the conductor was just beating time, like all the way through uh, I Get Up, I Get Down. Yeah. With all yeah. those little stabs and all that stuff that doesn't sound like it's in time. Yeah, it, no, no, no. And those young Polish uh, girls mostly, wasn't it? Weren't they? They were so good. A bunch of guys doing French horn, the brass section were guys. Yeah. A lot of girls the playing the violins. Yeah. But they were digging it, you know? It was great. They were, they were, they, you could see how happy they were. It, yeah. it was really a good feeling. The great moment was when we first met them because uh, we went to Poland. I think the first gig was in Warsaw. Mm. We had to rehearse with them for three days before the first show and they were going to travel with us around Europe. I think that was it. But I, re I always remember them coming in like school kids in a way, like, who's this and who's that? They're holding their violins and who are these rock and roll people? Ooh, kind of thing, you know? Right. And like, so we started rehearsing together and you could see them let go of all their fear of who we were through the music. And by the end, they were digging the music and they were digging this and they wanted to dance to this and clap hands in this section. And, yeah, it was, and, uh, it was powerful. I love really, it. Really, we finished up going to Russia with them as well. And uh, the video, anybody who likes Yes, you should get the video Symphonic Live Yes with uh, the orchestra. It's 
it's such a great mix as well, thankfully. Oh, great. Uh, <coughs> it's, it's a very I'll have good to get a copy. Movie. Yeah, we did. Um, I'll send you, I have a copy of uh, a friend of mine in Ireland. He just did a video of uh, Gates of Delirium. It's pretty cool. Wow, cool. Because I, I always envisaged a war going on at the same time as the music. And this friend of mine got some visuals from a movie which will re remain nameless, but it works, you know. It actually makes the music better, the visuals. Wow, uh, I'll that's great. It. So afterwards we went backstage and I think we didn't meet you, but I saw you just kind of eating a bunch of like really healthy looking food. And it looked, you seemed like somebody that was gonna go off and meditate or something like that. And then the door opened to Chris's room and all the smoke came out. And I, yeah. believe, I believe he said to us, he said, welcome to Club Yes. <laughs> that was, that was, the, that was the, uh, the yin and yang of the band was me and Chris, you know. Right, right, yeah. He was definitely into the nightlife, you know, and uh, I, was, I was the opposite. I was studying why I was becoming famous. Because I, I was trying to figure out why me, you know, why would I become a rock star, to say the least. But just to become stable and famous is, is a very strange experience because sure. you're trying to decide why, why, why. Well, I, I discovered what it was. I, I had to become more aware of why I'm who I am, you know, and so on. So that's why I, I sort of late leaned towards studying meditation, Native American culture in some so many different levels. And I'm still doing that. Once you once you go along that road of uh, self discovery, it never is never ending, which is great, because right. you, you're you're, you feel like you're in the, the arms of, uh, of uh, like the song in the arms of the angels, because yeah, you're, in the arms of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, you feel like you're connected to the divine energy yes. around us. And, uh, and that's what I've, I'm still evolving on that level and treading very similar um, pathways along. My, my eldest daughter, um, you know, I spent that time in East LA with a Native American uh, shaman called Long Walker. And, uh, a great man and I spent more time with him and going to Chihuahua with him and some elders to witness what it's like to be close to indigenous culture mm -hmm. and I was right I was rereading Carlos Castaneda at the same time this is like 1989 1990 that, that period I just went for a month with with Gary Barlow yeah and you go through those experiences and uh, I think the more the rock and roll side of yes happened the more quiet harp playing sibelius guy i became you know right because yeah. i knew i couldn't last in there i couldn't last in the yes club yeah it wasn't your thing I, mean, my scene, was, man. <laughs> I have to say chris we had a really good time oh and yeah he was we talked i i had i used to work with eric burden years ago and he knew yeah. eric a little bit and so we had a good time talking about and and being with him and and yeah, funny. What, a, what, what a lovely what a lovely experience it, it what was. What a funny guy! Very dry. His humor was so dry. Yeah, he was really funny and and fun. Yeah. And, 
really enjoyed being with him. But uh, as far as like the spirit, spiritual things, um, that was really John, why I became, uh, why I ultimately became a Christian was because I didn't really know it, but I think in my music, I was seeking after the eternal as well. True, you know? true. And when I began to experience the spirit of God, like in just like this little Christian church, yeah. that was the thing. At first I was scared. Yeah. At first I was afraid of it because I was like, what is this? Um, but at, oh, after time, I, you know, it's so, it's more than attractive. I'm, what can you say? It's, yeah. you know, this, this sense of like, when you said that, and, and you know, I always think about that. I didn't know it when I heard Heart of the Sunrise. I didn't know that God was speaking to me. But when I look back on it, the reason why I feel so much in how can the wind with its arms all around me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like that, yeah. that, and you know, I love, I, I love your lyrics because they leave so much room. You know, you don't, you don't necessarily understand it here, but you feel it here. Right. <laughs> and, and, um, you know, that was the thing when I began to experience the spirit of God that had me just go further and further into that. That's good. That's good. We're very blessed to be able to know that in, in this lifetime because there are millions of people who don't, don't know it, don't get it. Right. They don't, they don't know they want it, you see. Yeah. But there are millions of people that are really connected to the divine. And uh, I always remember reading a book when I started, yes, it was called uh, The Initiation of the World mm. by Vera Stanley Alder. Mm. And now Vera Stanley Alder also wrote a book called The Finding of the Third Eye. And this was right at the beginning of me working with, rehearsing with Yes that year, that first year, 68, into 69. And I was reading this book and the, one of the first things is it was saying in the initiation of the world was that Christ's consciousness is all already here. We are just connecting to it collectively through the ages. Christ's consciousness has been here since the beginning of time. Christ's consciousness is in every religion. If you look at every religion, and they pointed out the four major masters of Christ consciousness were Jesus, Muhammad, Krishna, Buddha. And mm. if you think about it, it's, it's just a logical explanation for the, the, the distance that we find ourselves between us at times. You know, mm. when people say, okay, well, Muslims and Chinese people they're going down. That's right. the old. That's the old Christian TV radio, TV. You know, send your money. We'll we'll take you to heaven. You right. Know, it's like, yeah. Buy your come ticket. On, come on. So that's where living and breathing that like you do every day is 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 an affirmation of why you're still able to create, because your creativity is around you all the time. I hear the birds singing every day, and I know I can hear those melodies every day from different levels of state of mind. And making music like you do becomes not a chore. It's something you can't wait to do every day. Right. Yeah, you and you don't know, know, you know, it just comes. It just yeah. comes. And yeah. in fact, just moments before I called you, this thing just came. You know, and I'm just singing it. And I put it now. I put it in my phone. I used to put it in. A, I had to travel with a cassette player. Sure. 
you know, because you have to, you don't want to lose it. No, no, no. Especially if you have that sense that it's, sense that it's a really a precious one. Yeah. And then, so, and so it's, I, I just put them down as, as soon as I can, because sometimes there's something very subtle in the first time it comes out that you, really, that you really want to capture. Oh boy. We always think it's from somewhere else. Maybe I've heard this before. Right. <laughs> from some yeah. musical like uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein movies. <laughs> or who knows where. But, you know, we did this great thing uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I was recording with the Neil Morse band and we had a Zoom recorder just running the whole time out of a <laughs> headphone box. So it's getting, it's recording everything that's going on Good. for the whole time. Like, you know, it was two weeks or whatever it was. And, uh, there was a lot of times when, like, you know, somebody would play something, I would sing something over it, and yeah. it, it had something special about it. And then once we got to the end of the stanza, we went back to repeat it, and I yeah. and I tried to repeat it, but it wouldn't be quite the same. Right. So we'd have to like, hey, play back the Zoom recorder, and yeah, oh, yeah okay. Fine. The, the cool thing, yeah, the cool thing is I stay on the F sharp for that two more notes before I come down. And that just gives it that cool thing. Anyway. That's, yeah. that's exactly what I did with Yes. I had a tape recorder and I taped a lot of jamming and missing. And, uh, there, was a, there was a point in doing Close to the Edge where um, I'd written a lot of the uh, song shape with Steve, but I, I wanted an intro, you know? And the guys had been jamming away. Da, 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 da. I remember walking and this jam was happening. And I said, are, are we recording this? We're not? Why not? Right. right. <laughs> A lot of times it's like that. Hey, Jerry, did you get that? Uh, no. Did you want me to record? I'm like, well, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I said, uh, okay. I just felt the vibe you were playing before. You know, it's kind of very... It was like a charging energy. What I want you to do is come in like you're halfway through it. And they looked at me and Bill said, what, what do you mean? Come in like you're halfway through the solo, not, not start a solo. Come in like you're right. Like that. Okay. What key? I said, I don't care. Just do it, okay? <laughs> so they started off. And it was, uh, I remember Steve playing. And they're playing away and we're recording. And I'm saying, okay, stop, stop, stop. Okay, you need to stop in the middle. And Bill said, well, what do you mean, just stop? I said, yeah. I said, why? Because I'm going right. to do a voice, vocal thing that goes, ah, da, 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 da. Right. And they say, well, where do you want to stop? I said, well, actually, I have a tape recording of Steve playing this. You played yesterday. You were playing it in a solo. And it's, you know, stop there, Bill. Okay, John. Do you think you were just crazy? I don't care. I just knew, <laughs> I, just knew I just knew that it would work. So right. I said, okay, 
Remember, one, two, three, four, five, and pow, and they went, da, 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 da. So as soon as you hear Steve play that riff, stop. So Steve's doing his dinner, and I look over Steve, and he says, not yet, not yet. And he went, you know, it's like, that was it. It was the idea of remembering that I had something on tape that could fit that moment, because I, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't have thought that up. I just had to remember, I remember hearing it on the tape I had. Yeah. And so that, that, that whole experience of the 70s was based on a lot of work like that. Mm-hmm. Just, just that reminds me, it reminds me, John, it reminds me, John, a little bit of how Mike Portnoy, uh, who doesn't know uh, a lot about notes, you know, obviously just about rhythms, um, when he's conveying his ideas many times, yeah. it will be like, well, um, oh, no, it'll be perfect. And he always uses this term. Come on, guys, help me achieve my sonic fantasy. <laughs> and, I mean, who's going to say no to that, right? Yeah. Hey, you know, <laughs> just try it. Just try it. We'll come up to this place and then everybody stop. And that thing you were playing like yeah. two days ago, he, he, yeah. he, he writes it all down on a board. He has like this... Yeah magic marker board he writes all the ideas that he likes on and they're like eric play this thing this six eight thing yeah so I'll, we'll all stop and you play that and then we'll all come back in with the, with with this other thing of neil's or, or whatever it is yeah and and it's and we'll go like uh <laughs> why right that was that was basically my 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 game that I played all the way through with Yes when when it was everybody was really in tune you know and obviously over a period of time people don't quite connect at the same time and it's like a yeah I always thought of a, a band is like an amoeba it keeps changing its shape you know right in, in so many different levels because the people are changing all the time yes you got it I wanted to ask you you know about Rick and Trevor and <laughs> yeah Uh-oh. yeah all kinds of things well, you know the best the best thing about rick he came up with one of the great jokes of my life was 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 on because rick would forget that he told you the joke so he'd tell you every two days oh so he's like me then, i'm like that too <laughs> yeah so the, the, you, you might have heard the joke but it was people who live in dubai they never watch the flintstones but people who live in Abu Dhabi do. <laughs> and on that. And on that. <laughs> Thank you, John. It was so good to be with you, man. Yeah, Take I'd love, care to do, now. love to do it again. Yeah. Wish you well. I wish you very well. Let's stay in touch, brother. Bye-bye. Have a great day. <laughs>